The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today's sermon concludes our introduction to the book of Revelation. As we come to the end of chapter 1, we read that the seven candlesticks represent the seven churches, and the seven stars represent the angels of the seven churches, or the ministers or pastors of those churches. It's important to see that Jesus Christ is intimately involved with both his churches and his pastors. He is in the midst of the churches, and he holds the pastors in his hands. As we come to the end of the first part of this book of Revelation, the introduction to the book, we are reminded that Christ is the central figure of the book of Revelation, and his redemptive work is the central theme. Join us today as we come to the end of the introduction to the book of Revelation. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
Notice, for example, how Paul described this when the church at Corinth was required to withdraw fellowship from one of their members in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Notice what, what Paul says, uh, what Paul says regarding this matter. He says, 1 Corinthians 5:12, for what have I to do to judge them? that also that are without, do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. You see, as long as someone's a member of the church, we have a special responsibility. We judge them that are within. Judge is not a bad term. The world's made it a bad term by saying, don't judge me. Does that mean if I walk up to you and say, well, you're a, a, a white person that I'm, I'm judging you? Yes, I'm judging you. I'm identifying what you are. A, to make a judgment is just to render a verdict about something, just to state what something is. If someone it kills a person and, you, and, and that's been proven without a doubt and you identify them as a murderer, you're judging them. But you're just stating what the truth is. And when our judgment agrees with what God says about a behavior or a moral issue or marriage or anything else, when we agree with what God said, we're actually not the one judging. God is. See, we're just identifying and recognizing God's judgment. But notice it says the church judges them that are within. But them that are without, God judgeth. If church discipline is carried out properly, and we could go into detail in this in a whole sermon, but if it's carried out properly, you know what we're saying? We're saying, Lord, we've done all we can do to get their attention. Right. We don't want to cut them off. Right. Lord, we want to save them from the way they're living. And Lord, the only reason we're withdrawing from them is we know you can get their attention. But the Lord says, I'm not going to get their attention when it's the church's job to be laboring with them. You see that? You know, in Matthew 18, you, if a per someone trespasses against you, you go and tell them their fault between you and him alone. If he might hear you, take one or two witnesses to establish what was said and what the attitudes are to establish that. And then it says, uh, if he'll not hear them, tell it to the church. And the indication is that uh, he says that they will not hear the church indicating that the church, not necessarily the whole body, but the church may as a body send some people to talk to them in the name of the church. And he says, if they'll not hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen and a publican. That doesn't say treat him like a heathen. Amen. Matter of fact, Paul said in Thessalonians, even when you withdraw from someone, treat them not as an enemy, That's right. Amen. but admonish them as a brother. You know what the difference is in how you treat a person before the church withdraws from them and after? Nothing. Amen. You see them at the mall, you see them at the store, you treat them no different. Amen. Because if, if and when the Lord deals with them as He does when they're put without, 
you, you don't want to have done anything that would cause them to hesitate in coming back to the church. And if they're being held in contempt and ignored after the church withdraws from them, then the Lord may deal with us because we're the problem at that point. Let's go back now to Revelation. See, the Lord gave Peter the keys to the kingdom and in principle we have the keys because God blesses us when we act in harmony with His Word. But Jesus has the keys of hell and death. We don't have those keys. <laughs> Jesus has the keys of ultimate and eternal judgment. You know, that's why we as primitive Baptists say we believe in the doctrine of election. We believe that God has a people. We don't believe that, that God's people are made up of every human being without exception, but we don't go around trying to figure out who is a child of God. An unregenerate child of God is by nature no different than a person that will never be regenerated. Before you were born again, if that happened before you were born naturally, there was a time when your behavior was no different. Your mindset was no different than wicked men who have no fear of God. All men seek their own, not the things which are Christ. That's our nature. But Jesus has the keys of hell and death. Those eyes which are like a flame of fire. It, he takes no effort on his part to know who his children are. Aren't you glad that Paul was inspired to write the foundation of God standeth sure having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. I don't know that and you don't know it. Now, we are to associate and disassociate with people out in the world based on their behavior. I understand that. We're not to say, well, I don't know if they're a child of God or not, so I'm going to hang out with this person that lives ungodly. We're not to do that. We're to judge people based on their behavior in the sense or with regard to whether or not we associate with But we can't judge the heart. We can only judge behavior. Jesus has the keys of hell and death. Then Jesus says in verse 19, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. I've already alluded to this, but now Jesus is going to actually say to John what the stars and the candlesticks represent. It's not up to preachers to have various interpretations. Jesus uh, says here, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Now, there were seven actual churches that Jesus addressed. But the word seven, I mean the number seven represents completion. 
And I believe one idea behind that or the reason that it's seven churches is because this applies to the Lord's churches throughout time. You know, I've heard some people approach Revelation this way. Years ago, I heard it preached at Bethlehem this way by a preacher that none of y'all know who's dead now. So don't try to figure out who it is. But I heard a man at Bethlehem say, well, what the book of Revelation is all about in these seven churches is these seven churches represent seven different ages. And right now we're in the Laodicean age where we're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And the the impression that leaves is this is just the way it's going to be. But you know what Jesus said to the people then? Repent. Yes. Right. So even if you take that approach to it, the message is still make a change. Not say this is just the way the culture is going to be because this is prophecy being fulfilled. You know, the culture may be that way at different times, but that doesn't mean the church has to be completely influenced by the culture. The mystery, that is, that which is concealed until the Lord here reveals it. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand. He says the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. We've already talked about how a preacher can be compared to a star. But notice that he says the seven stars are the angels, not the preachers, but The word angel means messenger. You may say, well, brother, buddy, how is it that you can say that an angel is actually a preacher? Generally, we don't think of angels as preachers. uh, And I'm sure most of us preachers, if you talk to our wives, they'll say we don't behave like angels most of the time. Hebrews uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. There was a preacher, Brother John Leland, he told the story one time of when he went on a preaching trip. And Evidently, it was hot weather and he had either walked a long way or rode on horseback. So suffice it, to not, suffice it to say, he really needed a bath. And he came upon the, the, the home where he uh, understood he was to reside during the course of the meeting or where he was to go to get ready for the meeting. And... Uh, the lady that answered the door saw him, and I guess she thought he was a bum or something, and she said, Sir, I can't, I can't help you right now. We're expecting Mr. Leland. <laughs> well, from what I understand, it's been a long time since I've read the account, but I believe this is the text he preached on. <laughs> Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares, that is without even knowing it. Yes, there are angelic beings that are in heaven to 
do God's bidding at His command, but obviously that doesn't just apply to angelic beings. So I believe the angels of the churches are the pastors. Now, we'll try to conclude at the end of verse 1, and the Lord willing, next time we'll begin with the churches, but let's get all of this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Now we've already said the only purpose of a candlestick is to shed light. But if I understand this correctly, he's not speaking here of the candle. He's not speaking here of the flame on the candle. He's speaking of the candlestick. Now, there was a time when uh, candles and kerosene lamps and things like that were very important before we had electricity. But now, you know, people use candlesticks with candles for decoration. And if you ever light the candle, it's not pretty anymore. So, you know, we don't appreciate candles like they did not too many years ago in this country. But here's what I want you to get. You know, these seven stars, if I've not, uh, yeah, um, I looked over that. Verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand. These preachers are in the Lord's hand. That would certainly imply they're called of God. And the reason you don't need to ordain a man that's not called is because he's not in the Lord's hand in this sense. I know all of his children are in his hand, as he said in John 10, when he said about his his sheep, my father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. But this is a practical application here. He says, these preachers are in my hand. And he said, these seven candlesticks are the seven churches. But you know, without the fire of the Holy Spirit and without the Lord blessing those ministers in our hand, we're just like a candlestick without a candle. It's of no value. Doesn't do what it was designed to do. So, you know, we could say, well, we at Zion here, this body, you know, it's sometimes hard for us to, even though we say to ourselves over and over and over, the church is not the building, still we're prone to think that way, aren't we? I'm going to go up to the church. I'm going to go to church. And we don't need to make a man an offender for a word because we know what people mean when they say that. But it's sometimes hard to say, no, the church is the group of people that's what the church is but here he says uh, that these seven golden candlesticks are the group of people that make up that church you know the candlestick you can still see it you know it's still there but it's not serving any purpose you may not see the light It ought to be coming from it. But you see what I mean. It's still there. It's still a a physical item. Whether it's being used or not. 
The angels might be there. But if we do not honor God's word, he might take us out of his hand. Because you know what the one requirement of preachers is? In the sense that I'm talking. I know there's a lot of requirements. But an ordained man who meets the the who is blameless that is he's without uh, an outstanding fault in the areas that Paul described in writing to Timothy and Titus where he addressed moral issues and a man that's not uh, a striker and he describes all those qualities of a preacher a man that has been ordained because he qualifies then really just has one duty and Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Amen. That's right. A steward is someone taking care of another person's property while that person is away. That's right. I wonder what that is. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's the only job I have. Amen. Now thankfully, I've never been afraid of your faces. Right. <laughs> but the Lord told Jeremiah whose 40-year ministry was one of just rejection. He told him, don't be afraid of their faces. All that matters is to be faithful. It is required in stewards that they be found faithful. But when we're faithful and we meet together, we are helpless without the Spirit of God. There are many religious organizations that have machinery that they can keep running whether the Spirit's there or not. Things that appeal to the flesh. We don't have that, do we? You can't come here and say, well, I can really play instruments and man, I want to be a member. That don't happen here, does it? Everybody's on the same level. If you're coming here to get recognized, you're coming to the wrong place. And if you're coming here for any kind of entertainment, you're at the wrong place. But like the hymn said, if you're poor and afflicted, this is the only place that you'll find peace and joy. So let us not take for granted the Spirit, but pray for it diligently. We've enjoyed it. But God's not obligated to continue to abide with us in that sense. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.